I believe you're gonna do you. the um, <laughs> podcast about in your power to remember. <laughs> Is that crazy that I remember the song? <laughs> it's Even not crazy we just, that you remember But we just made song. it up on the spot. <laughs> Good job, Vanessa. You did a great job. Everybody, you're listening to The Bull and the Badger, a podcast where Asian American culture and mental health intersect. Woo! <laughs> That's we a new one. It. It's like DuckTales. Woo! Which is totally coming back, by the way. Is it? They're rebooting it, yes. Oh. It could be awful. We don't know. Da na 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 DuckTales. Woo! <laughs> Did we do it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let's just end the podcast, baby. <laughs> it's been a perfect podcast. <laughs> and end scene. I'm I'm the badger, by the way. <laughs> I'm Vanessa, and I'm April. I am the bull. Hello and Hello. welcome. <laughs> I don't know who we're actually talking to at this point. Peanut, hey Peanut, <laughs> <laughs> our mascot. Um, but today we're here to talk about um, kind of two two approaches to, I guess. Friendship? I don't know. What would you call it? To like the whole like giving advice and holding space dynamic. Um, well, how about this? Okay, so Vanessa, when's the last time someone asked you for advice? Um, really recently, actually. Uh, ha, actually, <laughs> two things. Two things that happened. Um, with the same person. The first time I did it right. I just listened to her. I was like, she's telling me things. And I was like, I was on the same page. And it's because we just have like very similar backgrounds in terms of us being like the same Myers-Briggs and um, us being kind of the same like life situations where we're like single career girls. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then, you know, like I was able to sit and kind of just <sighs> what what we're going to talk about, which is called holding space. But the other, the other time, um, I gave her really good advice about something and I could tell her whole body was clenching. It Uh was tense. Uh And I realized as I was persuading her that I was causing her anxiety Mm -hmm. and she was, I was making her feel judged, Mm -hmm. um, just because she gets a lot of advice around this specific topic and... I, I started to like get discouraged mm-hmm. and she's so in tune with other people and less with herself that she was like, are you okay? And I was like, look, like I'm, I want to give you this advice, but mm-hmm. I realize that <clears throat> you don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to, I think I'm just going to stop. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> I actually discouraged myself <laughs> by continuing to talk, but I was so convinced that I wanted to persuade her and I couldn't figure out why it was so important for me, for her to acknowledge that, you know what, Vanessa, your advice was good and it was, I should have taken it. Right. I just, cause what like, what was her response to that? You saying that she just was like, she just nodded her head and she's like, yeah, I hear you. But like every time I said something, it was like, but, mm-hmm. and then like 20 minutes later, like, cause I was still thinking about it obviously. Cause it was like a tense situation. I was like. I now have like 
answers to her arguments and like uh, like in both both times it centered around like saying something to someone and like being clear and being honest and at this point in my life like I think it's better to be clear and honest to someone even if I don't always practice it myself right you know like I'll tend towards like well you know find the right context to find excuse me the the right opportunity to communicate yourself clearly and um so in the other time I think she had already intended to to talk to someone about how they were making her feel about where she was in life and she you know um it was just gonna be like a gentle conversation about like well this is how it makes me feel and da 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 and then the other time it was kind of about making her own life situation like a little bit better like doing something that would um give her less stress basically uh-huh. and I, I i think it was just there's things that she's ready to acknowledge and things that she's not and so when i gave her that advice oh man like i think about it now and i still i still want to revisit it because i still think she should communicate herself more self more clearly in those situations so that guys I was like look I'm helping you strategize for the future like this thing already happened you were really stressed out but you got it done so great but now the next time what if you did this and she's just like I love doing this and I'm not gonna change it and I was just like really really frustrated so is she specifically asking for your advice like I need your help like please give me help I need it no but like I heard what happened and I was like you know so the other time she was actually seeking it out and she I think she just needed to be affirmed that that was what she should do so yes. I walked into a minefield I, think. <laughs> I, I mean you know minefield of my own design I was like here here's all the reasons why she's not gonna listen to you because she's tired and because uh she doesn't want to feel like she did a bad thing um and she yeah she isn't ready to hear it basically and so you know that was that was my bad I think like for me and I'm sorry I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the question back to you soon but like the thing for for me is like having wisdom and like knowing when someone wants to hear something or not and like because I really I really do think it's good advice I think I think it's gonna help her I think it could change the way she does things um, and, and not just to be less stressed out, but really like you, when you are clear and honest with another person, you treat them with respect and you treat them as an adult and you give them um, information that they might not previously had. And, and you know what? I mean, part of that is a little bit like projecting where like I, I would rather have someone be clear and honest and give me the information I need to like act. But when you withhold information that could make that person. So if I withheld information um, from her that would make our relationship dynamic better, I'm I feel like I'm limiting her limiting her does that make sense but like i said there's a time and place to say those things probably 
and I don't think I chose the right one. It was like, uh, now that I say it, it's so funny because I didn't remember it, but like, I just had PTSD. <laughs> like, it was like really late at night and I was just like trying to convince her and I could just tell this whole situation was like not getting any better. Yeah. But I was so convinced. Well, I, I mean, I, I totally relate to that because I feel like when someone is telling me about their problems, it is my first instinct, you know, and I think that it's very widely sort of, I don't know, discussed that the wrong instinct is to tell someone what to do, you know, and to give them advice. Um, but like, like you said, when you do think that it's good advice and it's helpful, then it's very hard to feel like you shouldn't give that advice, you know, mm -hmm. especially when you see a friend or a close person, um, having a difficult time. Mm -hmm. And it really, really, really takes all of my, um, strength to not tell someone what to do. It really t takes all of my strength to just listen mm -hmm. and, um, and let them vent and sort of come to their own conclusion. Like for instance, one of those things, um, in my life is like, I have a friend who often comes to me, um, with her relationship worries and, you know, this has been going on for years and I would say, I don't know, maybe like 75% of the time I've learned to just be supportive and listen and say things like whatever happens, as long as you're happy, then I'm happy with, for you. You know, right. um, how much of that is true? I don't know, <laughs> but I've just learned that it, it's just a lot easier, at least for me to do that because the other 25% of the time I am like, okay, real talk. <laughs> like I need to tell you what you're doing wrong. But, but you do this, and, right? Hashtag real talk. <laughs> yes. Okay. And how you need to fix it. And you know, these, this is a pattern that you have and you need to break that pattern and mm. blah, 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 blah. Now what I've come to realize and really it's just so crystallized with this one friendship that I have and I love her to death and, um, et cetera, is that I think at the end of the day, no matter how good your advice is, how sound it is, how much you truly care for this person and want them to succeed. I think at the end of the day, they are going to make their own decisions. And a lot of times you just have to watch it and then be there for them afterward. You know, like I don't really care for this person that she's seeing, but at the same time, like this is the person that she's chosen and she's going to make her choices. And if I'm a real friend, then I have to, you know, be okay with that. Hashtag real talk for a second. I don't like this podcast at all. We have to actually change our behavior. Oh, I was, <laughs> was like, like was I thought that we were going to start over. <laughs> no, no. I was like, you're putting yourself at risk. Hurry, smile. <laughs> Communicate that it's a joke. <laughs> I know. She's starting to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but is it like, cause it is, I mean, that's probably, I mean, that's going to be the crux of what we're talking about yeah. today is like how to do that. And yeah. how long do you think it took, um, for you to kind of realize that over the course of your friendship? Uh, years. And even, even sort of like, it still takes practice. Like in each of these conversations we have that still go on, um, I, I still have to stop myself, you know, and I don't always like recently I was like, look, these are things that you like are not realizing. You need to realize these things, mm. you know, in this relationship. And I said that, I don't know. I, 
like I said, it's like a 75%, 25% thing. So like, you know, and I think that she knows that like I do support her and that I'm one of those people that she can be honest with, you know, about her concerns, but it's just, it's, it's, I think I have just a tiny taste, just a tiny taste of what it's like to be a parent where you care so much about this person. You feel like you have a lot of information and a lot of wisdom Mm -hmm. to impart that will seriously make their life better. But you, for the most part, they're just going to do what they're going to do regardless of all of that. You Mm -hmm. know, it's so frustrating. It, it like weighs on me mentally, you know, but the only way that to make myself feel better about it is just to be like, she's, she's going to do what she's going to do. And like, you know, just give yourself less of a headache and just Mm -hmm. accept that, you know? Well, I've two, I've, I've two kind of like follow up, like, like things to think about because like, um, you know, one, when I think when we were talking to, when we were talking to John about um, whether or not finding flow was a selfish thing or pursuing the thing that you loved was a selfish thing, you know, and we were giving him advice and talking to him about it. I didn't feel like it was a bad choice in that, in that instance. And I think like it actually really helped him whether or not he's going to be able to, you know, carry out that advice or live, live in the, in the comfort of knowing that, you know, it's not a selfish thing. I think that's basically what we were telling him. I mean, him, I but think for me, it's not even advice. It was just perspective, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. If it, well, if it makes it different than giving advice. I don't know. I think, but like what was comforting was that we weren't necessarily projecting, but like what was comforting was like, we are in that place too. And that's why we can say this thing and maybe, you know, that's what makes it I guess you can say it more valuable. but you can't expect results. Right. Yeah. Wait, like, so we're you at can the end be of a, you can be a loving <laughs> Yeah. You can be a loving, you know, person who gives your your perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, this is something that I've experienced and it, you might find some kind of help from, you know, whatever, but but you can't hold that person accountable, you know, mm-hmm. to, to following it and following through because that's all you can do. Right. Yeah. Well, the other thing, um, that, you know, I wanted to broach to was like people who chronically don't listen to your advice, even though they say they're seeking it out. But before that, like, um, I just wanted to read the definition of what holding space is. Or Where'd according you find this to article? This, um, it was something from Andrew was, Keegan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Andrew Keegan was some kind of article in the LA Times today. I was just like, sure. was like, oh yeah, this guy started this like, you know, this like exercise or religion or something like that um, in LA where, you know, they use Chinese, like, I was like, I wonder if it's Qigong or Falun Gong or something like that. But like, basically it incorporates that. And I was like, Ugh, appropriation of <laughs> culture and practices for your own and then and then he's like probably profiting off of it anyways that's not what <laughs> that's not what we're here for we today love you, andrew keegan yeah 10 things i hate about you <laughs> was that like the last thing he was in i don't know okay so i i mean i found this article on uh facebook actually just like la 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 scrolling through and then sometimes like you know the articles are really interesting so i like i like 
kind of put it aside, but the idea of suffering and helping others through suffering has been in my mind lately, just because like, we're basically going through a sermon series on that right now where, you know, um, like what's a biblical definition of suffering. And that sounds really weird and stuff like that, but it's, it's, it's been helpful because I think like there's a lot of people in my life that are going through different things, but, uh, and, and my, my thing used to be, um, and I'm so regretful of this now is to like give them platitudes. And like mm-hmm. when you're, especially when you're young and you, you don't have your own necess- like suffering to go through necessarily, you're like, Oh, if I give them this thing, that's my way of being there. And then you find out quickly that, no, you're just making it worse. Don't Do you hand out a little uh, thing of that footprints, whatever, yeah, like, whatever he's, it is. Jesus <laughs> carrying you through the sand, and they're just like, get that poem out of my face. You oh know? my god! Do you watch the the Mindy Project? Oh, I haven't seen it in a while. I think it was the second season where they were doing like a triathlon or something like that. And at the very end, like one of the people couldn't make it. And then Morgan picks him up and goes, this is where I carry you. (laughs) I laugh so hard. That's amazing. (laughs) I would want somebody to carry me the whole way through. (laughs) But in a wheelchair or something, something like a device where we're not skin to skin touching. (laughs) Yeah, no, no <laughs> physical contact, please. <laughs> None of that intimacy. Seriously. Uh, so take notes. That's Vanessa's ideal triathlon yeah. to be carried. Like no skin to skin. Contact. Yeah, like they can like push me around on the bike, <laughs> and then they can drag me while I'm swimming. <laughs> what else is? It? Oh yeah, and then running. Why do people do that? <laughs> Silly. I know all that physical work and for what? A feeling of like I did it. You Just get a do nice a podcast. Metal. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Made out of plastic. <laughs> this, this, this is awful because, like, I, I actually really do admire people who do triathlons. I just like to feel bad about myself. <laughs> So my, we were talking. My, hold, my holding space definition. No, no, no. I mean, like, it's just, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a new term for something that like people just may naturally or not Is naturally it a term, do. Like widely known or just this person uses. Ah, uh, I feel like it might be like flow, but like with a lot less like actual research behind <laughs> it. But um, this is what the article says, and it's uh, a blog um, by someone named Heather Plett. P-L-E-T-T. And, um, you know, it's, she says, what does it mean to hold space for someone else? It means that we are willing to walk alongside another person in whatever journey they're on without judging them, making them feel inadequate, trying to fix them or trying to impact the outcome. When we hold space for other people, we open our hearts after. Uh, offer unconditional support, support, and let go of judgment and control. Don't you feel as an Asian American that's really closing your heart? Because if you really love this person, you would tell them what they're doing wrong and yeah, how to fix it. You just, well, first you would first you would bring them food. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, "Here, have this delicious thing," and then now we need to talk about what you're doing wrong. <laughs> and you know, I was thinking about you know my own experiences with like 
how Asians hold space, but I couldn't, like, I had no specific, like, story or anecdote to, like, kind of follow up with that. Uh-huh. I just, all I, I stopped at was food. <laughs> I was like, you just bring food. You just show up. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that my parents or my family in general, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of another word that's helpful for me to understand of holding spaces, just being non-judgmental. Hmm. Um, and I think that my parents, you know, as much as they tell me what to do they also in a lot of instances just kind of like celebrate what i do you know and Mm. um are happy for my accomplishments and stuff like that so i mean i think it's not as uh, i don't know (laughs) oh not (laughs) not as like it's 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 holding space but asian style (laughs) yeah asian dash style <laughs> or azn yeah um and you will and actually um i mean like from from my own watching my parents i just don't think it's as connected to like an asian cultural standpoint but because like he's a pastor and he like has to show up by people's bedsides like mm-hmm. he has to be there for those moments and like mm-hmm. i don't even i don't even know how you would do that for your career that just sounds right. really draining and awful which is why i you know, kudos, kudos to anybody who does those kinds of things. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, one, there's two things that I think he does. One is like, he just, he sits and he listens. And the other thing is like, when he does have to do a funeral, he like talks them through all the plans and mm-hmm. is really concrete in the advice that he gives them. Mm-hmm. Like it's, um, like, cause they're so usually families are so distraught and maybe they haven't done all the planning, but then like he really holds their hand through Mm -hmm. that. And that's what that article, um, that I saw about holding space was kind of about like their mother was, you know, about to pass and it was basically in hospice Mm -hmm. care and stuff like that. So they had a nurse who, you know, was kind of walking them through the steps and helping them do things that like might have been more difficult for them, like bathing her or um, showing them how to like inject the morphine to like kind of lessen her pain. And, you know, that that idea of just being like non-judgmental support and like, I I think the idea of presence is also important. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I I don't know. Um, It is it is it does seem very Asian, though, to kind of feel like, well, there's a right, right way to do things <laughs> and there's a wrong way to do things, which, you know, like in one sense, like, you know, the, what I was talking about before with my dad, like, and how he would like kind of walk through the steps of like, you know, booking the mortuary and, um, you know, um, what else, whatever else goes into funerals. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I feel really ignorant right now, but you know, like those really important things and like, having someone who knows what's supposed to be happening next even in weddings he's like he's very instructive and yeah he, you know like most times people are just nervous and they're like what's next when right. you step over here right. <laughs> yeah it's very comforting in those types of situations that aren't you know everyday situations to have someone who who you know knows what's happening and and wants to help you through it There's, it's always nice to feel like taken care of in a certain way especially mm. when you know it's a very difficult situation so do you feel more taken care of when people are giving you advice or like guiding or counseling you? Or do you feel better when like people are just like listening to you? I think both. Um, you I don't, th- you don't have a tendency or, or a preference? Which one to 
like mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the kind of advice, you know, in the manner that it's given. Mm. Um, someone sometimes like I feel very lost and mm. there are people who who naturally don't want to give advice and just want to be supportive. Yeah. But then I'll just be like, just give me some advice. <laughs> like, tell me what to do. This yeah. is not the mo- time for you to just be supportive. This is the time for you to like, give me your opinion, you know? Um, and it really just depends on the situation. And I think, I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing to rely on other people. It's probably a bad thing to rely on other people's opinions. Mm. Um, but you know, I'm the baby. I have two older sisters and you know, two parents who know a lot and I'm used to getting advice. And Mm. so that's what I am used to, you know, like Mm. I, I really do rely on, um, guidance and like, you know, experience of other people. That makes sense. But but at the same time, I really, really, really do appreciate the other kind of support, which is holding space and just being patient and whatever happens, I'm just going to be here, you know, mm. like silently supporting you and all that stuff. So yeah. I think for me, it's a combination. Um, and I'm lucky to have a lot of support in a lot of different forms. And so I, the work here is that has to be done is for myself and, you know, how to how to feel out other people. Yeah. I mean, even, even telling yourself, like at the end of the day, you have to make this decision. Right. Oh God. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, even in in thinking about it, like I I probably have like friends who are kind of half and half. Mm -hmm. There was one time when I definitely was like, I need you to just listen to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're like, you telling me what to do right now is actually making me really upset. Right. And I totally made that friend cry. Really? Yeah. I, I was like, this was reversed. <laughs> I thought I was the one feeling bad. And now she's the one Did feeling you feel bad. Powerful? Uh, I felt bad. I felt bad, but I also felt good because I was like, I was, you know, like I said, I was clear. You're getting I was, your point across. Yeah. But then, it's good yeah. setting boundaries, setting expectations. With yeah. Friends. I still feel bad about that. Cause I think like she was speaking from her own experiences and she was like, well, I've had to deal with this too. And I just, and it was like making her like flashback to all those times that she was, had felt this way about yeah. this certain situation. I don't even remember what it was. Just that I made her cry. Uh-huh. I'm trying to think now. Vanessa. I know. I'm like the cry maker, <laughs> the tear maker. I feel like I make you sweat. Wait, that sounds weird. <laughs> I that sounds can't... like a Marky Mark. <laughs> Gonna make you sweat. Is that a real song? Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Oh, wow, Marky Mark. <laughs> Taking it back. It's funny that he actually, like, exists as something else now. Like, Vanilla Ice, like, what, where is he now? Like, Millie Vanilli, where are they now? Like, what are they doing? Oh, one of them's They're dead. not in this... <gasps> Can you hold space for me now? (laughs) I'm not going to hold your hand. That's right. Intimate contact. Is it because your hands are sweaty? That's what I was going to say. It's because like my apartment's always hot. (laughs) That's why the sweat comment came up. Well, I just watched um, Date Night and Marky Mark's in that. And he's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's because he's so handsome. (laughs) He's like, hey, ladies. (laughs) That wasn't sexy at all when I said that, but I was like, all right, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to drink some water. Well, okay, so let's get us back on track. And why don't you read that that list of, like, ways to hold space? Wait, I thought we agreed that giving advice was way better. (laughs) 
Okay, um, holding space is not something that's exclusive to facilitators, coaches, or... All right, skip paleo- that. Oh, <laughs> but it's something that all of us can do for for each other. Yeah. Partners, children, friends, neighbors, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's fun. Um, here, I've, here are the lessons I've learned from Anne and others who have held space for me. Do you like that? That's my instructional voice. <laughs> One, give people permission to trust their own intuition and wisdom. Two, give people only as much information as they can handle. Three, don't take their power away. Mm, that's important. One. I know. Just Let's just sit on that. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Four, keep your own ego out of it. Five, make them feel safe enough to fail. Six, give guidance and help with humility and thoughtfulness. Seven, create a container for complex emotions, fear, trauma, etc. Try Tupperware. That that was me. <laughs> Sorry. I like the number five one. Could you read that one? The one about ego? Wait, can I, can I finish that? Oh, I, th- I thought you were done. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I just wanted to be quippy. <laughs> number eight, allow them to make different decisions and to have different experiences than you would. So... So I think essentially, like, don't be judgmental and just be supportive. Yeah. Well, well. so you like number five, and I think I like number four. So so number five is make them feel safe enough to fail. Oh, no, no, that's not the one. I went the one with the ego. Oh, wait, that's the one that I like. <laughs> Synchronicity. I know. And now we're holding sweaty hands. <laughs> um... <laughs> Now the equipment is. I'm gonna trick you into like intertwining fingers with me one day. <laughs> no. Yeah, it is gonna be amazing. That will be the end. That will signal the end of our friendship. <laughs> First, the end will of the podcast. Will it be like a Titanic the moment? Boy, <laughs> keep your own ego out of it. <laughs> back on track. Okay. Back, back, back to back to reality. Of keep your own ego out of it. <laughs> You could, you know what? You know how we were supposed to do like, I was supposed to do like, um, with Barrett like a poetry slam moment. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just gonna read this list, and then like read it in different ways. No, okay, read the ego one. Read number four. All right, <clears throat> keep your own ego out of it. This is a big one. We all get caught in that trap now and then when we begin to believe that someone else's success is dependent on our intervention, or when we think that their failure reflects poorly on us. Ooh. Mm. Or when we're convinced that whatever emotions they choose to unload on us are about us instead of them is a trap I've occasionally found myself slipping into when I teach. I can become more concerned about my own success. Do the students like me? This is her reflections. Um, do their marks reflect on my ability to teach? Then about the success of my students. But that doesn't serve anyone, not even me, to truly support their growth. I need to keep my ego out of it and create the space where they have the opportunity to grow and learn. That's a good one. No, that's so true. Actually, I mean, that's that's part of maybe like what was going on with me, like being so convinced that like I had to tell my friend, like, this is this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to help you out here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you look around, even though I'm still right. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, I think I think that that happens a lot. And I think that that's what that's what makes those kinds of uh not fights but those kinds of discussions repeat like after they're over that's what makes it repeat in your mind over and over again like after the fact because like you're like wait but what i'm right you know i'm right and these are all the different ways i could have um communicated that and saved 
save that person from doing whatever they're doing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Can you think of something specifically? I can't think of anything specifically, but I, one thing that came to mind when you're reading that definition or that little section was, um, being on the other side of that. Like, what is it like to be getting advice from somebody um, who it seems like their ego is is looming a little too large, mm. you know? And I know that sometimes in my family, mm. um, the way that that can feel being on the receiving end of that is sort of being silenced, you know, mm. as if your perspective and your experience matters for nothing because they know everything. Mm. And sometimes, you know, I've... It's like the stupidest topics, but like my dad will say some, give him his opinion about something and then I'll disagree with him and I'll give my opinion. And then he'll, at least, you know, in a couple circumstances I can think of, he'll immediately say like, I know more than you, I've lived longer. And so this is how it is, you mm -hmm. know? And so in his perspective, that's 100% true, 100% rational. He has, you know, decades and decades of more, uh, much more uh, experience than I do. Mm -hmm. And how could, you know, I know anything, but I still think that my opinion matters, you know? Mm. And so I think that sometimes that might be what it feels like. And not, it's not like I've never experienced someone giving me advice that I didn't want at that particular time, but that must feel like that must be a part of what it feels like, mm -hmm. you know, that, that your the advice givers information and experience matters more than your own. You mm. know? Um, that's an important distinction. Cause what is just like when you think that you, your own experiences as the advice giver are more, um, relevant than what that person's contextually feeling or mm -hmm. um like and when i say contextually like even how they grew up and how they make their decisions and stuff like that and how they have to arrive at a place you know like because maybe maybe that person will end up doing what you're doing or what you have advised but they're not ready to go to that same place and come to those conclusions you know like as 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 you did like with anything, you know, like that they need to, oh no. And here comes back to that parenting thing. Like they have to fail for themselves and stuff like that. Right. They have to learn their lessons in their own time and, and maybe you'll be surprised and their experience are, aren't going to be like an exact replica of what your experiences were too, you know? Um, yeah. People should have the freedom to sort of experience their own lives, but I mean, of course, as a parent, you want to protect, you know, and I think that a lot of times, most of the time, that's what my parents were, you know, that they're coming from. The place that they're coming from is wanting to protect, you know, and make sure that I don't experience the same hardships that they do. Mm. Um, and so, and so with my friend who I'm giving like relationship advice to, that's absolutely, you know, I absolutely want to protect her, you know, from from pain and hardships and heartbreak but mm. that's her life and it's going to happen no matter what I say I remember being terrified in middle school what happens if I diverge from this path will I die what happens if I don't major in in engineering or science am I going to die like I wasn't raised to be happy I was raised to be successful hi everyone this is Vanessa 
You just heard an excerpt from my doc, The Laundromat, a personal exploration of the silence and shame in Asian American culture. If you'd like to contribute your story or learn more about the doc, visit atthelaundromat.com. That's A-T-T-H-E, laundromat, with an O, dot com. Or visit our Facebook page for the Laundromat documentary. Thanks. Well, let's let's flip it to like when's a time when and it doesn't have to be necessarily what you were talking about with your um, dad, but like when's a time when you heard advice and then you came to that same conclusion, but you had to like go through this whole journey. In oh, order to... Well, here's a really good example. I'd love to hear. Um, it. So I would say maybe one or two years after I started working. Um, I thought, Hey, maybe I should go to grad school. Mm -hmm. And, um, so my sister was like, okay, well, I'll help you. I'll help you apply or I'll help you like research schools. Mm -hmm. And so I went down to her place and it was so long ago and we were looking at websites online and I, I felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I felt very, and she was like, Hey, let's go to this website. Let's go to this website. Let's see what this program's all about. Let's see. And what she was doing was not wrong at all. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, she was being very, very, very helpful, but I felt for whatever reason, I felt very, maybe I just wasn't ready, you know, to take that step. And, and I think maybe I was also dealing with old stuff of Mm -hmm. like feeling controlled, you know? Um, and being told what to do, which, and like I said, it was absolutely nothing that she was doing, you know, she was being very helpful. Um, but it just, I guess it just brought up old feelings and feeling trapped, you know? And so it was actually very late at night and I was like, I have to go. And she was like, what? It's night. And (laughs) I live far, you know, we lived far and I was like, yeah, I just, I just have to go. I have to go right now, you know? And then she was like, okay. So like I left and then (laughs) I don't know. Five years later, I applied to grad school and I had to do it in my own way and I had to like, you know, figure out what the right decision was for me, you know, Mm. and I ended up going and, you know, doing it the way I did. And a lot of times people have to just be given that time, given that space and, and maybe changing their mind altogether, you know, and just not going down that same path, you know, Mm. um, is, is that a good example? Yeah, no, I mean, um, and the only reason why I asked the question was because I actually had an example too. No, <laughs> no but, but no, tricky. I think, <laughs> I know, Which my turn. <laughs> now it's mine. No, um, no, but I think that's a really great example. I mean, and the amount of time it actually took you to go and do that thing too, I think it's really indicative. I mean, at least, you know, like I would lodge that number in my brain in terms of, like what that process was like for you because you felt ready, but then there were, you know, like those things that were going on. Yeah. In the beginning, I don't think I felt ready. I think I felt like it was something that I should do. Uh, I felt like it was like, this is the next step that you take, you know, you mm -hmm. have to do this thing. And I think that's one reason that I, it, it was uncomfortable for me. And I think taking, you know, five or so years to, just live life, continue working, understand what my real, um, desires are, you know, what my Mm -hmm. real reasons for going into grad school are. And then, you know, uh, facing that decision a lot more, um, with a lot more information and, and true like desire, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. What was yours? Um, (laughs) It was just um, with my documentary, actually, <laughs> where um, everybody was like, Vanessa, you have to put yourself in the dock. I was like, no, <laughs> I will not. 
No, I do not. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't tell me what to do. It was like, it was, it was, it was, it was reactions everywhere from like, oh, okay, thanks. You know, but we'll see. And then to like, no. Was it mostly your grad school friend, your yeah. film school friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, <clears throat> you know, anybody I was talking to the film about or that had seen things about it. And yeah, it took, <laughs> it took me a really long time. And actually it, it took me having to objectively stand back as the filmmaker and just be like, who is Vanessa, the character? And that's actually how I'm able to deal with it now, too, uh-huh. because there's a lot of things in that film that I'm still processing, you know, like it's like that's that's the fun thing about documentaries. And by fun, I mean awful. <laughs> but like, you know, like these people exist in real life and they they're still working things out. There's still a journey that's involved. And for me, figuring out that I had to put myself in the documentary was so painful, like so awful and painful. But again, like I had to create this like Vanessa, the filmmaker and Vanessa, the character to like go out and do it. But I knew that I had to do it. The other thing that people were saying were like, you need to have these people's families on the camera. I was like, yeah, (laughs) you know, like, you know, like I had to like pluck up my courage and it took maybe two years to actually go through both, both things. Yeah. I think it totally pays off. Um, and especially with like the, the families, Mm. like I watching your documentary, like like my heart is in my throat because mm. I'm so nervous, you know? And I think that, that that's, you know, I, does that mean that it's a good documentary? You know, I think it, in some ways it does like that. It really, you create very tense moments when they're actually like, you know, opportunities for breakthroughs and stuff like that. Mm. What was the reason why you didn't want to put yourself in? <sighs> <laughs> I'm laughing. I mean, I'm laughing because it was, it's just so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to like even think about putting my family in anything, you know, and to expose yourself and, um, and to expose those people's families because like, why for you, you like why specifically for you? Like it was the matter of exposing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I was just like, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just like walking through life with a camera and, and, you know, I thought that somehow I'd be exempt, you know, but I definitely got pulled in and there's different ways to approach documentaries for sure. But then the story and life of this particular film, you know, I had to, if it started with me, then it had to, like, I had to be the one going through the process. Like I thought it would be enough to see what Anne and Chris are going through. And then you and, uh, well, actually the inclusion of you and Julie in the documentary, um, is actually because that's part of my journey. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's uh-huh. still not just like me witnessing these people talking to their families, but like even just having conversations with friends, you know, like that's still part of my, the spine of my own journey and in terms of processing all those things. But yeah, it was just really uncomfortable because I mean, I was still, I still felt weird about talking about my mom's sickness, even though like she's well, (laughs) you know, and then also, um, um, 
the whole thing about the documentary changing and me being in it and then having my parents on camera like Mm -hmm. there was like it felt like deception basically to like be like so i'm making this doc and this is what it's about but not really be like and now i'm including my story about my depression you know like and just because it involves them and i think um and people people might feel differently people might feel like they're what their mental health is and what their own situations are are very separate from what their families are but Mm -hmm. I don't see it that way Mm -hmm. you know um and I actually I I told um I told my parents that I you know this is what's gonna be in the doc eventually and then and then when they saw the I won't tell everybody how it ends, but like, you know, like, so they, we went through that process, but I also showed the film to my, my siblings uh-huh. and let them know that this was in the dock and, you know, and I got their permission uh-huh. and my friends were like, well, would you have still shown it? And I was like, no, you know, if my fib- siblings, my siblings, <laughs> my siblings, <laughs> um, if they hadn't been into it, like I just wouldn't, wouldn't show it, you uh-huh. know? And I, st- I still feel that way sometimes, but now, um, the family members who mean the most to me outside of my immediate family have also seen it. So I feel like, okay, I'm just going to start showing it now. Right. <laughs> you know, I yeah. think that everybody's just like, okay, well let Vanessa do her thing. <laughs> <laughs> and if they do, uh, if they don't really like it or if they don't think it's, um, something that should be out there, nobody's directly communicated it to me. So I'm just going to take that silence and run, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, in the same way that you were talking about your story, like, I wasn't ready for it. There was so much, so many barriers to what I, you know, what other people thought I should do. But it was nice to have people who were like, they weren't like, you have to do this. They weren't forcing me to do anything, but they were supportive in mm-hmm. that moment. And like, like your sister felt like, or, or, or you felt like you should go to grad school. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I kind of need help. And so she was there to like offer that, but then she also let you leave. Right. You know? <laughs> and then didn't like be like, Hey, what happened there? You know, like she didn't force you into grad school right at that moment, you right. know? And then for me, like it was nice to have classmates who saw the signs of what was happening with the doc already, like way before. And that were kind of gently like telling me like, I think this would really help your film, mm-hmm. you know? And <sighs> I, I, that's, I think that's where I'd, I'd want to live. How much time do you think passed between beginning it with no intention of including yourself and actually like starting to include yourself? Oh, well, it's, it's like, I started making the short version of it, um, in 2010 Mm -hmm. and then I finally finished it in like 2013, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Or no, 2012. Mm -hmm. I think the, the film's copyright dated <laughs> I don't I never like registered it anywhere but like that's when I set like trademarked I don't know whatever but that's you know when I started that that last screening um debut yeah it was um it was uh 2012 or 2013 by then so mm-hmm. I mean but I see the whole documentary as like a four-year journey mm-hmm. so it took four years to really like I mean, it took, it probably took two years to realize that I had to be in it. And then it took four years to really complete it. And like, um, the scene at the end, 
the way the film ends and I'm not going to reveal it here again, but, um, <laughs> zombies attack. Um, but like, you know, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, Vanessa's parents are zombies. They, they do come back from the dead <laughs> and eat my brains. But this is now a zombie podcast. <laughs> um, but basically, um, you know, to get it to that place to even film that last scene was really difficult. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, I mean, I had other plans. I literally had so many other plans uh -huh. in case I, I chickened out on that scene. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you um, contingency plans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, because like the other thing would be, I wouldn't have permission to film that scene either. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that mm -hmm. could have happened, but I got the permission. So, you know, like, yeah, it could have been a very different film, mm -hmm. you know, but it ended up being, I think, the right ending. Mm -hmm. I Well, first I had to convince myself and then I had to go get permission, mm -hmm. you know, and so that, like I said, four years, four years to film that scene. Mm -hmm. And you know what? The rest of my life to figure out what that's all going to mean, too, mm -hmm. you know, because I think some people ask me like, oh, well, how do you think things have changed since the film? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, I honestly don't have a good answer. For I that. have to say for me, it's changed in that whenever I go to your parents' house, I feel a little awkward. <laughs> good. Good. You should, should feel awkward in my house all the time. There's so many secrets, <laughs> just like all other families, but now they're in film. No. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I meant awkward not because of your parents' presence in your documentary, but my presence in your documentary oh. and the fact that they've seen it. Hmm. Yeah, it it's hard. It's hard to like put yourself out there because you're always like, well, how will somebody's view of me change? You know, and I haven't, I specifically haven't shared the film with certain coworkers because I'm just like, this needs to stay a very specific way, this relationship. And if you discover my doc on your own, great. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I'm not going to like volunteer. Like, I'm not going to be like, hey, come out to the screening. And yeah. we'll just be like, you know. So, um, okay. But kind of back to the whole like um, holding space for others. <laughs> Look at the computer to remind yourself yeah, what like, it was called. Holding place, <laughs> holding mace. Trading spaces. Melrose Place. <laughs> it's going to very different places now. But um, yeah, I, I wonder if that's like... And I, I don't think there has to always be a right way. But it was nice to have people there to point, point me towards something. Even if it wasn't necessarily like... I guess that's what it means to give like non-judgmental advice that's not out of your own ego too. It's kind of like... <laughs> a light on your path, <laughs> you know, or, or the ability to, was it, um, allow people to feel safe enough to fail, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. don't take their own power away, humility and thoughtfulness, complex emotions, all these words. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> when's, when's the, I mean, besides the way that you feel like um, you're now able to give advice. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Well, I let, wanted... me, let me get this thought out because that yeah. just occurred to me. Um, and I, I think it's particularly uh, relevant to Asian Americans where like failing is like death. You know, like failing at anything is like the worst possible thing that you could do. Mm. And it's so shameful, you know, uh, making a mistake. Whenever I... I, I, I 
have like a problem in my relationship and I think that you know it was my fault then I would just like let's just break up you know because like there's no coming back from this you know Mm -hmm. and um what's really great is that um when the person who you're with is just like look it's just it's just a thing, you know, like we'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Like we'll, we'll just get past it and, you know, and, and feeling safe with the person to sort of do it over and over again, yeah. not on purpose, but just cause you know, I'm human and yeah. I have my baggage and I tend to, um, be real yeah. belligerent. <laughs> <laughs> he was making fun of me this morning because he was like, he was, you know, moving like a boxer moves, you know, he's like, this is you, this is you. Did you watch my Netflix pow? <laughs> Why didn't you do your hair the way I wanted you to do a pow? <laughs> What's next? I, what else can I get mad at you for? Um, but it, I mean, it's funny like that he can put it in that light because like he recognizes that as a thing that I do and that mm. like, you know, it's something that I need to work on, but not something that he takes so seriously. Yeah. Um, hopefully you, you were able to laugh at it. Yeah. 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 Initially I am uncomfortable. <laughs> Initially I'm like, oh, that's really intense. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, it was true last night. I was accusing him of slowing down my Netflix. <laughs> That's a very serious matter, though. That's... Wait, wait, ready? Uh, hashtag. Real talk. <laughs> but um, but I'm but you know the thing that you read making it seem safe to fail, you know, and I think that that's probably one of a huge thing that comes to any kind of relationship when like you can make a mistake and not be told, well, I told you so, mm-hmm. or why didn't you just listen? If you just listened to what I told you, then, then this wouldn't have happened to you, you know, but rather something bad happening. And despite all those things, just being like, I'm really sorry. I'm here for you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, uh, I forgot what I was going to say after that. Do you, should we want me to help prompt that? Or should I can, I can keep, I have, Go ahead. No, what are you gonna say? Um, I feel like it might be less relevant now, but you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about was when people kind of stop listening to you, um, and and when they ask for your advice, mm-hmm. it's like, should you just acknowledge that they're not? Because that's that what's that's what makes me mad is when people are like, you know, I kind of just need your advice on something, and they just stop listening and you're like through kind of giving it because you you were talking about your friend earlier and it gave me that same tension because there's there's definitely people in my life who they say they're looking for advice but I think you know they keep they continually engage in behaviors that are gonna you know stress them out or, or put them in bad situations and it's hard to to listen to those people yeah but I wonder if holding space is about giving those people a little more grace. I just, I remember one, one person that I always come back to, like she had told me that she had this, um, she had been diagnosed as bipolar and, and she was becoming a little bit of an emotional vampire. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to help her in those situations. What's an emotional vampire? Um, someone who kind of like, drains you emotionally because they're somewhere they have some kind of um antisocial disorder you know whether it's histrionic or narcissist or you know like something that's like they've been diagnosed with something very specific and 
you know, um, you can be there, but, you know, it, it takes a combination of like, you know, professional therapy and medication and, and other things to kind of help this person, um, change some of like that, that those cognitive behaviors and stuff like that. And that's where like, at least that lesson for me was just kind of like, let it go. And mm-hmm. like, even like sometimes it's not healthy for them to be in your life anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because the interaction doesn't change, you know, the idea of like, um, insanity, which is like to keep doing the same action over and over again, hoping that it'll produce a different result. Um, but yeah, I think there's just people that exist in our lives that are where it's, it's, you know, it's harder to be there for them in the way that you you want to be there for them then you know kind of does that make sense yeah i mean i think that every friendship is different so i would hesitate to give some kind of blanket response to that but i would say um what was i gonna say i think it depends on on um well, I guess for me, the way that I, I would approach a situation like that is like, okay, what is the quality of our friendship? Like, is this someone who I really want in my life? You know, and if there's, if this is someone I really want in my life, then, then, and I, I continually become frustrated because of, you know, their actions um, with their own life you know, Mm -hmm. and not taking advice and stuff like that. Um, I would, and I still want them in my life. Then I would sort of put my arms up and say, okay, then I, I will just support them as they need me to support them, but not expect them to follow my advice Mm -hmm. and, and not even give advice anymore unless directly asked, you know? Um, now on the other hand, if this is someone who is an emotional vampire and who I generally don't even enjoy, as a friend, then, um, I mean, that sounds very selfish, but at the same time, like a friendship is built on affinity, you know, and whether Mm -hmm. or not you like actually hang out, enjoy hanging out with one another, you know? Um, and then, and if they're, they're more of a detriment to my life than anything else, then, then I would, you know, like, like you said, like consider not really having them in my life anymore. Mm -hmm. And I've done that on a couple, like one specific situation and it wasn't extreme. It wasn't like a terrible thing, Mm -hmm. but after repeated signs of this person being like selfish Mm -hmm. and caring way more about their convenience in their life than my, you know, friendship, um, like, I don't know how to frame that to make sense, but like, you know, she, she continually wanted to make plans with me to meet up, but then would be like, Oh, that place is too far for me when it was Mm -hmm. like five minutes from where they lived. And I haven't seen them in six months. And I'm like, well, clearly this isn't that important to you. And you're not really um, trying to make my life any easier because that's a really, whatever you're suggesting is really far for me, you know, like then that that's on, repeated occasions of that happening, you know, mm-hmm. cause you, you let the first couple go, you know, and then it just increases and increases. And I'm like, well, 
you are kind of a selfish person and I, I am fine with us like parting you know, ways. Parting ways. Yeah. Um, whereas like, you know, somebody else who is maybe a little bit self-centered and kind of skirts that line, but at the same time has also shown to be a very selfless and loving person. Um, but you know, kind of, falters here and there like of course i'll give that person way more understanding you know way Mm -hmm. more um patience and stuff because i like them i want i want them to still be in my life Mm -hmm. does that make sense no that makes sense i think um too while you're talking about just like the moment when you realize that it's okay to let go and you feel relieved right you know like that's kind of a sign i think i think there was a an, um a level of self-care like that wasn't happening because he like i felt like i have to save this person or you know what i'm saying like there was something inside of me that was like i have to help fix this person you know but like then letting go of that that felt like that onus and i mean even like the idea of holding space in general is like you don't want to get your ego involved or you don't want to like you're creating a non-judgmental space but even once you create that non-judgmental space like if it's still something that is gonna cost you too much maybe like in your own like because I was going through a really stressful time too and I was just like I can't I can't carry both of those things like I don't know I, I I mean I'm I'm now friends with her again but like I had to in that moment like just be like I can't take your calls right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it, it always, even now it's, it still sounds kind of like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but you know, I think other people probably do it better in terms of like, you know, what their level of like, is this, what does this friendship mean to me? And mm-hmm. what, you know, I don't know. You know, so other people have different personalities and, you know, it's like a myriad of factors that go into it. So I wouldn't get down on yourself for it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Not holding your hand. (laughs) I almost got you to intertwine fingers. (laughs) I'm just going (laughs) to, is that how you're going to like put me off is just make mouth sounds as I creep my fingers towards yours. Um, (laughs) Did you remember what you wanted to say earlier? No. Well, I did. And then I think I said it and then that was it. Oh, okay. Yes. We brought it back. <laughs> I mean, uh, just to end this, um, this pod in like, uh, a, a good, in like a, a positive light, like in terms of like holding space, when, when was there a moment where you felt like you got to hold space for someone and you know, it was hard, but it really, you know, that person benefited from your presence in holding that space for them. It's called holding space, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Got it. When you Melrose place them. <laughs> Please, let's call it Melrose. This, this podcast is now called Melrose Place. <laughs> Done. Well, I Design. I hate to go back to this one example, but I think, you know, it no. carries through. So my friend with the relationship and stuff and, you know, I want to show that it's always for me a negotiation. It's always difficult and I always have to make the choice. So it's not like you make the choice once and it's always going to be great after that. You know, I mean, it's always a struggle. It's like trying to lose weight. It never goes away. It's just always a struggle. Um, and so I feel her appreciation 
And I feel that a weight is lifted off of her when I can be a person who is non-judgmental and, and, you know, unconditional with my friendship and stuff like that. And when I'm not telling her what to do, because I, I know her personality is one to, to really take people's words to heart, you know? Mm. And, you know, she, I think she has some friends who, uh, are a bit more judgmental most of the time and, and then she feels really bad, you know? And so then I tell her, which is the truth at the end of the day, if you're happy, I'm happy for you. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I'm, I'll just be here no matter what, you know? Oh, right. So after kind of like listening and maybe giving advice or not giving advice, like just that reminder that you're there for her. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to, to turn this around, to make it seem like, it, it, it seems like I'm like, you know, fine. And she has all these problems when like, I, you know, we, we rely on each other equally, mm. you know? And so when, when things, um, are not going so great for me and then I feel very doubtful and I have a lot of people in my life sort of repeating those doubts, mm. you know, she'll, she'll just be like, Hey, whatever, whatever you decide, like, I'm happy for you, you know? And, and, uh, you know, I'm cheering you on and stuff like that. So to hear that from someone in a gen really genuine way, uh -huh. it's like, oh, because I think most of us have ideas for what will make each other's life better. And we just maybe choose not to express it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, but knowing that somebody's just judging different parts of each other's <laughs> lives. <Yeah. laughs> but, you know, like when you put that, per you know, like you want that person just to be happy and to follow up with like impractical ways of that being true like or and just knowing that it's true and honest I think like it makes such a huge difference in our lives you know yeah. to have those people because it's 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 hard to explain but it's a feeling of um freedom mm. to live your life how you how are you going to live it and still be loved for that you yeah know? um and not be like oh shoot where did I go wrong you know, or I made this mistake and I should have listened to that person, blah, blah, blah. But there's a real feeling of like liberation, you know, when, when you are safe and loved and allowed to make mistakes. I think that's important. I just want you to be happy, April. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> These are I the things that are up. wrong with your life, Vanessa. <laughs> I was setting up for that. No. As I creep I my hands. physically <laughs> move away from Vanessa. <laughs> But my Why are there are... socks on your chair? Oh, to not mess up your wall. Was it so uncomfortable <laughs> that you had to look at the socks and talk about yes. them? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm eyeing the cinnamon toast crunch again. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. That's at the end of this. Um, I think uh, for me, uh, and just in uh, like talking with certain, I feel like I, should, I need to have a a similar like follow through. <laughs> you don't have to. Um, no, you know what? Um, one person that I think that, um, it's easy to hold space for, um, is, uh, is Julie, you know? And I think we hold space for each other. Your like, old roommate. Yeah. My old roommate, Julie, um, who's also in the dock and like, I think, yeah, there's a real sense of, of safety and, 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 uh, you mean you doing that for her or her doing that for you? Mutually, uh -huh. mutually. And actually maybe that also makes a huge difference in terms of like the ease of which you can hold space for another person or the, um, 
the yeah the uh, ability to even do it um it might come from there already being a mutuality um you know an investment in that kind of dynamic um and yeah it makes such a, a such a difference and I, I think like reminding myself of that difference is gonna help me stop going but i'm right <laughs> <laughs> no i i mean i think that that's human and i think that we're always gonna feel that way like but i think maybe the way that we sort of express it <laughs> mm. you know we'll be more successful at sort of like keeping that to ourselves more often than not you know yeah or yeah and just going for you, it was five years. For me, it was four years. It was like four years. Four years to totally turn around. <laughs> <laughs> I will Melrose place them now. <laughs> but in four years, they'll know. You got Melrose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of, I just watched um, Fresh Off the Boat, and they talk about Melrose Place on it. Do they really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Constance Wu, right? Yeah. The Her character. Um, the uh, neighborhood ladies are yeah. like all into Melrose Place. And oh my gosh. She's trying to figure it out. It's it's amazing. She's like, all of them are whores. <laughs> they just have sex with everybody. Okay, <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> oh man, that show. It just it, it actually I feel like it's getting better. Like with each episode. Yeah. But I watched all of them yesterday. Oh, you just binge yeah. watched? Oh my gosh, I think you're farther than me at this point. Then I watched up to six, which of course I cannot remember what that one is. <laughs> but. Yay, I'm glad. So, yeah. you, so you feel good about it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm like checking in on your feelings about it. <laughs> so how did it make you feel? <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought it was great. I like the, uh, did you see the episode when um, the wife's sister and brother-in-law come and they have their success perms? <laughs> oh man, I was like, oh my god. Oh, that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> That's super 90s. I was just like... That was so specific too. That's what's great about that show. There's like some references that are so specific that you're like, yes, yeah, that was my experience. <laughs> oh man, no, it, it keeps getting better. Um, I guess uh, we're just gonna close this out mm-hmm. with a song and dance. Just kidding. La 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 la. I was hoping you would do the Melrose Place theme, but I don't know. Well, I don't even know the Melrose I don't, Place. I don't. I know the Anantu and Oak theme. Dun 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 That's it, right? We're ending before that, right? That's actually, I think it's a pretty legit one. That's great. It's a, I love that one. 90s theme songs are better. <laughs> they just are. And maybe the Friends one. All right. Well, we'll let Vanessa <laughs> think about it. I know. I'm like, that's our next podcast. <laughs> Which is the best theme song? Da-da-da. Why the 90s are better than Da-da-da. any other era. <laughs> All right. And scene. I'm just going to stay silent this whole vlog. I guess be like, come on, Vanessa. What do you think? <laughs>
That's called holding space. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awful. 